Kia ora and welcome to the Snell's Beach Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode and pray that God will bless you abundantly. For more information about our church, please visit our website, sbbchurch.nz or follow at sbbchurch on Facebook or Instagram. Snell's Baptist Church family. Uh, Maz here and uh, just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be able to share God's word with you uh, this morning and again next Sunday morning and uh, it is a privilege and an honor and uh, again thank you very much and I hope that you are all going well. Um, over the next couple of Sundays I want to share from Philippians chapter 4 um, a series of messages uh, dealing with the, the issue of how we can experience God's joy and peace in our life in spite of uh, the circumstances that we face personally and what we're seeing nationally and globally with the impact of the COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus. Not only is it a very real virus that's an unseen enemy that everybody's uh, battling and trying to deal with. It has created a climate in which a lot of people, um, and maybe you might be one of them, and I know I've had my moments, uh, feel a sense of fear or anxiety of what is going on and when is this going to end and where is it all going to take us. And um, the health experts and the mental health experts are telling us, you know, that there has been a tremendous increase in the areas of depression, anxiety, loneliness, a sense of social disconnect. And um, I want to offer you a positive message of hope from God's Word that uh, gives us in chapter 4 of Philippians a recipe, for want of a better word, of, I guess, principles and practices to maintain great mental health and a sense of peace and joy in spite of the circumstances that we're all facing. So with that brief introduction, um, I want to uh, read, uh, actually starting back in chapter 3 of Philippians and reading from uh, verse 20 and just through to verse 1 of chapter 4. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friend. Um, the letter to the Philippians is an incredibly inspiring uh, letter, and it's written from, by the Apostle Paul uh, with a tremendous pastoral heart of love and care and concern for this particular church who he had a very deep bond with. They were the only church who supported him financially in his mission work. And uh, th there was a very deep bond between the Philippian church and Paul. And 
Paul is writing from a place of not locked down as we're experiencing, but locked up in a Roman prison chained to a Roman guard, possibly awaiting death, which is why in chapter one, he talks about the issues of dying or remaining and the benefits of both for him. Uh, He knew his life was uh, on the line, as it were. So this man is locked up, not just locked down, and yet he's writing a letter to believers to encourage them about how they can experience, in spite of life circumstances, a life of joy and peace in their journey. And the Philippian church were also facing persecution and opposition and a sense of disharmony within, which we'll talk about next week. And so Paul is outlining for them um, the impact of the gospel on their life and how they can experience this joy and peace. And one of the things that, as he sets up chapter four, is that he reminds them that their citizenship is not of this world, but their citizenship is in heaven. And he's, prior to that, been telling them how people who live just for this world, who are influenced by this culture, um, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. They're saying, if you're a citizen of this world, you think as this world, you're influenced by this world, its values, and its culture. But he's reminding the Philippians and us, we're actually citizens of another world. We're just passing through this life. This is not our home. We are just visiting. Our citizenship is in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Because of that, we should then think differently to the culture we live in. We should not be influenced by this world that we live in. Paul would say that to the Romans in Romans 12 when he talked about um, not being influenced by this world but uh, being transformed by the renewing of our mind because our mind should think differently and I don't know about you but I know for me one of the great things I value living in a world that seems so uncertain with so much change going on I value having peace of mind and having a sound mind. When Paul in his letters talks about a sound mind, it's a word where we get the idea of hygienic from uh, in our English language. And Paul is talking about the value of having a sound, healthy, hygienic, pure and peaceful mind, often through his letters. And we'll touch on this through uh, chapter four. So Paul is saying you need to live your life from the position that you realize you're citizens of another whole realm. And you have to settle that issue within your heart and your mind. I live in this world, but I do not belong to this world. My citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven has values and practices that are different from this world and this realm. And Paul is in a sense saying to us too that as we live in a world that is in such turmoil and fear and anxiety, if we will live as citizens of heaven, 
then we can bring something of heaven to earth. We can display something of the culture and the values of the kingdom of heaven that then can be a tremendous witness to those around us as they see us walking with a sound mind, with pure thinking, with a joy and a peace that no circumstance of this world can take away from us. And so Paul begins to teach us in Philippians chapter 4 some very succinct and practical ways of how we can experience this that we'll look at over the coming weeks. And he tells us that in these things, this is how we stand firm as citizens of heaven. And he will reveal to us the value of right relationships, which we'll look at next week. He'll talk about the power and the impact of rejoicing in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. So we'll look at the impact uh, of choosing to be a person who rejoices in Christ. He'll talk about living from the realization that the presence of God is near, is with us all the time, and how we can learn to live out of God's presence. And when we're in right relationship, and there's a sense of rejoicing in our spirit, and there's a sense of realizing the nearness of God, that brings, brings tremendous peace of heart and mind to us. He'll then go on to talk about how we can release our anxieties through the power of prayer and thanksgiving and letting our Heavenly Father know all our needs and how then uh, the peace of God will guard us and protect us. And then he will go on to talk about the power of right thinking. What we dwell on, what we feed our mind, so impacts and influences our life, our speech, our conduct, our relationships. So Paul outlines through uh, Ephesians, uh, Philippians 4, sorry, a tremendous prescription for overcoming worry and anxiety and experiencing joy and peace. And he begins by telling us in verse 1 that this is how we should stand firm in the Lord. He starts off by addressing the Philippians as he's coming to a close in his letter. He calls them my brothers, my sisters. The word is basically conveys the idea of someone who belongs to a natural or a spiritual family. Paul is saying, you're my family, you're my tribe. We belong to each other. And he says, whom I love and I long for. He's expressing his pastoral heart to them. And he's telling them, you are my joy and my crown. Paul, through at the beginning of Philippians, uh, talks about and often does in his letters to the churches, talks about how the fact that he finds his greatest joy, not only in his personal relationship with Christ, but in his relationship with fellow believers, those who are part of the family of God. And there is something tremendously joyful and empowering and stabilizing that enables us to stand firm in these uncertain times when we find a great joy in the fellowship of other Christians and believers who we love and we long to be with. And there's tremendous strength. Paul's not just giving a greeting, he's again giving a recipe for how we can stand firm and experience a life of joy and peace when we have a great love for the body of Christ, the family of God. I know for me as someone who grew up in a fairly dysfunctional family, when I came to Christ 
at uh, the age of 18 and a half, um, for me, one of the greatest joys was finding another family. I suddenly found a place to belong where we were all seeking to live out the same values and beliefs as imperfectly as we do. Um, yet we were united because of who Christ is to each of us. And it's just great joy being with the family of God. And Paul's expressing this from a prison cell and really indicating to us that it is one of the ways we can learn to stand firm in these uncertain times when we are connected to one another. And he said, I love you. I long to be with you, to see you, and you are my joy. And I know as a father of four married children and a popper of eight grandchildren, the greatest joy for me is being with my family and how that provides such joy and strength. Because Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 8 indicates to us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God can give us, as we'll see in this chapter, a supernatural joy. And we can also gain a joy from one another by being together. And he says, you are my crown. A crown in Paul's time was a wreath woven together with all manner of um, plant base. And it was the crown that was given in three different settings. It was given to an athlete uh, for competing in games and winning. Uh, secondly, it was also given to guests, and particularly the guest of honor, um, in a festive occasion when people gathered for a meal. And sometimes in festive occasions to emphasize joy and celebration, all the guests would wear a wreath crown to indicate that this was a joyous celebration. And it was also given in military honor to those who had fought for their nation um, in ancient times in honor and respect for the fact that they had fought for the freedom of their country, much as today we give medals for people of valor who stand firm in the day of battle on behalf of their family and their nation. And so Paul is saying to the Philippian believers, here I am, not locked down, but locked up, facing possible death. And I just want to express this great love I have for my family in Christ, who give me great joy and who ultimately are my crown. Paul in Philippians 3 earlier on uh, in verse 14 um, said this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul knew what the pursuit of his life was. If you read through chapter 3 of Philippians, we don't have time to do that. But Paul, in chapter 3, outlines his pedigree, his history, his religious training, and basically says, all this counts for nothing, and that my life now is about the pursuit of knowing Christ and becoming like Christ and fulfilling the purpose for which Christ apprehended my life and took hold of me for. And he said, that I pursue to the end of my life, 
to win the prize. And what Paul was basically saying here is that the prize, the crown I want to win, is you. Is every person I can bring into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul really hammered that home in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19 when he said these words, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our crown and our joy. Paul makes it clear that the crown he wants, the prize he's aiming for, is to see men, women, young people and children become citizens of heaven and join the family of God. It was his greatest passion and joy. When we know, like Paul, that people matter most, then those relationships will be our pursuit in life. And I think of anything during this experience that we're having in 2020 of COVID-19 and worldwide lockdowns, when things are being shaken and we're starting to evaluate who we are, why we're here, what's important, what's not important, as we're deprived of certain things, I think what we've all realized is that what impacts us most is when we cannot connect with those we love and long to be with. And we realize that it's people that matter most. Paul had that absolute passion. And one of the things that enables us to stand firm in life is when we have settled in our own hearts the pursuit of our life that it is to know Christ, to become as much like him as it is possible in this earthly life. It is to fulfill the purpose for which he grabbed hold of each one of us for. I am a great fan of that movie, Chariots of Fire, the story of Eric Little. And not only of Eric Little, but his friend and competitor in a sense, Harold Abraham and uh, Abraham's. And um, there's a scene in the story of Eric Little's life where he's walking on the highlands in Scotland with his sister Jenny, who is greatly grieved that he wants to pursue going to the Olympics to run and represent Scotland and the UK. And um, she is really pleading with him to fulfill his calling of going on the mission field which Eric Liddell Little did later on and died as a prisoner of war. And uh, he says to her, he turns to her and he says, Jenny, Jenny, I know what God has taken hold of my life for. And yes, I'm going to fulfill that. But I also know that God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure his smile, his affirmation, as it were. I'm slightly expanding a little bit of what he said. But that's the essence of what he conveyed. He was a man who knew his purpose, who knew the race he was running, who knew what his pursuit in life was. 
He knew the natural talents and gifts God had given him and also the heavenly calling God had given him. So he was able to live as a citizen of heaven and stand firm for his values and beliefs to the point of pulling out of the very race he had trained for because it was being run on a Sunday and he held the value that that was a day of rest sacred to God. And if you want to read the rest of the story, grab the book or watch the movie. But equally in there, there's a scene at the Olympics where Harold Abraham is lying on a table, his coach is working his muscles to loosen them up, and he makes that statement where he says, I'm 26 and I don't know what it is I'm in pursuit of. What a contrast. One man knew his calling and pursuit. He knew he was a citizen of heaven. He lived with heaven's values. And therefore, no matter what was thrown at him, whether it was a choice of running on a Sunday, going to war, being a missionary, and ending up dying for the cause of Christ as he shared the gospel with different men and cultures. Harold Abraham, on the other hand, was a man not at rest, not at peace. He did not know what he was pursuing in life. Do you? Because that gives us tremendous peace of mind, enables us, as we come to a close, to stand firm. That phrase, stand firm, is a military phrase that Paul also used in chapter 1 and verse 27. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Again, he's saying, you belong to Christ, you're citizens of heaven. Therefore, conduct your lives, live in a way that represents heaven on earth and is conducted in a way that honors God, that is worthy of his name. Then, whether I come and see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one person for the faith of the gospel. The idea of standing firm in the language of the day was a military term that painted a picture of a soldier who stood his ground as the enemy was surging upon him. He was immovable. He stood there firm and fast and faced what was coming at him. We can't stand firm if we don't know who we are in Christ, because Paul gave the recipe too of how we stand firm. He said, stand firm in the Lord. It is God and Christ and Christ in us through his spirit who gives us the power and the strength to be able to stand firm in ways that defy our logic even. When we look at what life throws us, God can enable us to stand firm and not buckle under life circumstances. And like Paul, we have to settle the pursuit of our life, who we are in Christ, pursuing Christ, becoming as much like him as we can, finding tremendous joy and strength in our personal relationship with him and our family relationship with one another. Because we don't stand firm alone, we stand together. And we live in a culture and a world that is ever-changing and trying to define us. The great psychotherapist Carl Jung 
once wrote, the world will ask you who you are. And if you cannot answer, the world will tell you. So who defines who you and I are? It's not the world. It is God. We are citizens of heaven, children of the Father, brothers and sisters in the family of God. And it's those relationships that matter the most that enable us to stand firm. That's why in the next message, we'll talk about the value and the practice of right relationships as Paul is so burdened that two leading influential women in the church at Philippi find reconciliation and harmony. And so I want to encourage you, stand firm in the things we've talked about briefly this morning. Find your joy and your peace in pursuit of your personal relationship with Christ and your relationship with one another. And may we, in a sense, be each other's crown and joy because it's people who matter the most. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you as you stand firm in these times. Let me just speak a brief blessing. Father, I thank you for every person who has watched and listened to this message. And I ask that you would bless them and their families and that they would find their joy and peace in the pursuit of knowing Christ and becoming like him and in their relationship with the family of God and one another. And may we live as citizens of heaven who bring a little bit of heaven to earth as a witness to those around us as we stand firm in who we are and what we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Kia ora and thank you for listening to the latest episode from Snell's Beach Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to watch the full service for this podcast, please go to our website, www.sbbchurch.nz services. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe this week. Kia ora whanau.